On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Walking in the Dark on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And I want to talk to you, talk to you today about the idea of walking in the dark or walking in seasons of darkness. We all experience it. And so many times we didn't do anything to, to make it happen or deserve it. It just happens, these seasons of, of darkness. But have you ever been in a room that was so dark that you could not see your hand in front of you and the air suddenly felt thick and oppressive and you began feeling disoriented because you don't know which way is which and what's, you know, what's in there or what could come out of you. <laughs> and uh, I, I know I have, uh, we have like one big room at the church called the breakout room that when all the lights are out, man, you don't know <laughs> where you are. And uh, so, but I want to talk to you about this idea because there was an experiment done uh, where two cave explorers, Josie Lorries and Antoine Senny, they took on a gloomy mission in the name of science, living alone in the dark and desolate cave for months to test the effects of isolation and loneliness and darkness uh, on the human psyche and body and everything. And they didn't even have the company of one another. They resided in separate caves, uh, just hundreds of yards apart. And Lorries and Senny weren't given any insight about how how long or how many you know seconds or minutes or hours went by and they had no perspective in these dark caves they were living in of what the time was when they finally emerged they had to wear dark goggles to shelter their eyes from the bright sunlight and their senses of time were insanely warped lorries spent 88 days in the cave can you imagine that while seni spent 126 days in the cave when Lori's came out of her cave on March 12, 1965, she thought that it was February 25th. And when Senny came out of, out of his cave, he he thought it was uh, he thought it was April 5th, but he thought it was February 4th rather. And even crazier, the researchers reported that Senny would sleep with stretches uh, for stretches of 30 hours at a time and wake up thinking that that they, he just had a nap. And so this is how disorienting the darkness is. In, in the caves, Lorries and Senny turned to creatures most, most of us would find gross, like rodents, for friendship and companionship. Senny spread out jam on the floor to try to attract a mouse. And Lorries reported to have befriended a mouse with food that was his companion, uh, or, or her companion rather, the whole time there. In addition... Some people doing isolation and different experiments begin to see visions and, and things that aren't really there. One man literally saw 5,000 oysters. He said, I see 5,000 oysters, and he, and he reached out to touch it. Some have seen mosquitoes. Some have seen tiny cars. Others have seen snakes. Some saw zebras. And people have seen fighter planes while in isolation. And there are two words that can describe what it means to live in isolation. One is torture. And this is why uh, torturers through the centuries have used sensory deprivation to torture people because you can go crazy, right? And the second word is insanity, right? Anyone going through that season feels like you're insane. It's just insane because nothing makes sense. And up is down, down is up. And 
and I can't see where I'm going. So what happens in real life when you are living in the light, you're breathing fresh air, and you're surrounded by people all over the place, but you're still walking through a season of darkness. And this is what I want to talk to you for a few minutes about today. Because we become like cave dwellers in a spiritual and psychological sense, where we lose our sense of time, we lose our sense of relationships, maybe we don't feel like ourselves among people, we lose our sense of sleep, maybe we don't sleep as much as we should or, or more than we should. Everything becomes warped and every everything is just out of whack and even the sunlight can seem strange. Now there's a scripture I want to read to you in Isaiah chapter 50 and, and verse 10 and 11. But before I, I read this scripture, I got to warn you, there's two ways you can see the scripture. And that's why it's important to have different versions because sometimes one version can have a totally different meaning depending on how the translators saw the original languages. And so this scripture in Isaiah... Uh, can either be one thing, it can either be a one big rebuke for trusting in your own strength. And let me show you how that's framed in, in the scripture. It's framed this way. And it says, and this is the NIV, the New International Version, puts it negatively this way. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, Trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. But now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. Now that sounds like a, like a pretty hopeless scripture when you think about it. And we find that in those scriptures, uh, there are... Um, there are the ideas that, that we, like I said, when the translator sees it a certain way, what this scripture is kind of saying in a negative way is God is saying to people, you're trying to fear me, trust me, obey me, hear my voice, but you're still walking in darkness. You can't have it both ways. And that's a very negative way of saying it. And, and he says, and as a result, you're going to lie down in torment. So it sounds like this mean, angry God of what people accuse him of. You know, people who don't really know God accuse God of the Old Testament of being mean and angry. and But there's another way to look at this scripture. And the other way is, is very interesting because it's, it's almost the opposite of, because it goes from one, one of discouragement to one of encouragement. And that way looks something like this. You can see it this way, as a challenge to trust God in the dark. And when I say that, I mean that here was, he was the next version, and this is, of course, uh, Isaiah 50, uh, verses 10, 10 and 11, but on a different version. This is the, the New Revised Standard Version that goes something like this. It says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of the servant, who walks in darkness and has no light, yet trusts in the name of the Lord and relies upon his God? Notice the emphasis there was on the servant and what he does. Then he, then he says this, But all of you who are kindlers of fire, lighters of firebrands, walk in the flame of your fire, and among the brands that you have kindled, this is what you shall have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. So this scripture is different for sure because what it's, what it's saying has more of a positive idea. It's saying, and a question mark can mean everything, because the question mark is more at the end of the first verse. 
as it includes it's it's as it includes a challenge in a sense, not just a, a stiff rebuke that is hopeless. And he's saying, in essence, follow the example of the servant as he walks through the dark and still trusts in the Lord. I believe that this is what this scripture really means. I believe that this is what this scripture really means. It's a challenge, again, to, to trust God in the dark. It's not a, it's not a rebuke. It's not, it's not a big rebuke on, on not following God, but it's a challenge, rather, to, to, uh, to follow God in the dark. And we find that this challenge can look unique. But first, what, what, what does the challenge not look like? In other words, what happens when we don't follow God in the dark? What happens when we, when we choose to not trust in God, what does what does lack of trust look like? Uh, lack of trust looks something like this, and, and we'll I think we have it right there. The scripture we have it up there, but it says, "But all of you are kindles of fire, lighters, firebrands. Walk in the flame of your fire, and among." the brands that you have kindled, this is what you shall have from my hand, and you shall lie down in torment. And, and this is what the scripture is saying when when we, uh, uh, first God gives an encouragement, but then God gives a warning. And, and that is very key here. Uh, it's not just a, and sorry about the printer over there, but first God gives a an encouragement, but then he gives a warning. Because what good is, an encouragement if you don't have a warning with it, right? And we find that in the scriptures that when when God speaks of these things, he's 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 trying to help us. He's saying, I don't want you to live in torment. I don't want you to lay out at night and, and not have peace and have not have good dreams and, and and not feel I don't want you to feel anxious at night. And the, the word torment is a word that speaks of of extreme pain and um and, and and the idea that that uh, it touches your mind and your body, you know, and, and and sometimes we can be tormented on the inside and no one even knows it, and it's extreme pain, right? It's it's anguish in a sense, and he says you shall lie down in torment. It is especially happens when you're sleeping, and I don't think it's because God causes it. I, I think it's because God God allows us to live out our consequences, because with with our choices are attached consequences, and everything we choose has a consequence. So where does this wickedness, so this so-called wickedness, lie? This wickedness lies in trusting God, uh, or rather, rather, this wickedness lies, in, and we have the wrong point up there, but in, in, in what we call manufactured hope, which I have over here. Uh, what is manufactured hope? Manufactured hope is... Is the idea that that um, hope in that is it's godless in a sense, right? It's artificial. It's human made. It, it doesn't really have have what it needs to have because it doesn't have God. And we find that when you manufacture your hope, that that's the equivalent of of making your own light, making your own light, making your own energy, and. That's why he put it, light their own fires. It's a, it's, and, and this reminds me of something in, Le, in Leviticus where, where, um, where in the scriptures there was a, a time where they were doing a sacrifice, right? And, 
and I will find that scripture in a second here, but here it is. But and they were trying to find this. Uh, they were trying to sacrifice to God, and and so here's what happens. It says, and Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu took their censers and put in put fire in them and added incense, and they were they offered unauthorized fire, and then there were these consequences where God consumed them and this whole thing. And just before maybe you're watching this and saying, you know, how could God do that? Well, we don't know God. We don't know how awesome and how great He is. And we don't understand what holiness really is because we're finite human beings. And that's the short version of, of, of this explanation. But the point is, is that God never tolerates me making my own energy apart from Him uh, because it's all about trusting in Him. And Israel rejected God's light and created their own light. And when you create your own light, God's not going to stop you, but you have to live out your consequences. When I trust in my own smarts, my own creativity, uh, to fix my life without God, I'm creating my own fire, thus usurping His glory by not letting Him do it in my life. So how much of our torment is self-made? God didn't have to even lift a finger to cause it. I did it myself. Is it any wonder why, why the Scriptures say in Isaiah, they say this, they say, Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And this is an invitation of God to a people who are always, always trusting in their own strength and own wisdom. But is it wrong to create your own hope? No. When you're a Christian, no, as long as it's in God. That's the key. It has to be in God. It has to be rooted and founded in God. That's why the scriptures tell us that it was David who encouraged himself in the Lord. And there's another scripture in uh, Psalms 20 that says this, and I think I have it somewhere here, but um, I might or might not have it, but it's in Psalms 20 that says, Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. And that scripture is very powerful because it talks about the idea that, that, uh, that our source of trust has to be in God. So, Jesus gives us a challenge in the form of a question in this scripture. He says, Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? And we already read that, so I'm not going to read it again. So it's more of a challenge. It's, it's not saying, it's not God looking down at us and saying, None of you do it. He's saying, Who among you is up to the challenge to do it? Who wants to do it? And follow the example of the servant, right? So what does the servant Jesus, and, and this is talking about Jesus because if you read the whole chapter, there are some messianic overtones to it. And Isaiah is filled with messianic overtones of, of Christ. And, and there are quotes that Jesus said on the cross that are in this very chapter we're reading. But what does the servant Jesus do as, as the servant that where God says, I want you to follow his example? Well, he does this. He walks in darkness, trusting in God. That's the point. So this is this is how we do it. We we do it, we do it by trusting in the Lord. We 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 uh, we we navigate our darkness by trusting God in the darkness, and by trusting God in the dark rather. And when we trust Him, it means to lean on or depend on, kind of like a crutch, saying you know, and and a. Uh, it has been said that religion is the opiate of the masses. And I'll tell you, 
God is my opiate. I can't live without him. We can we, we can do all things through Christ. And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But the dilemma of darkness is that when you walk without God's light, you can't see what you need to see, and you end up seeing the things you're not supposed to see or, or, or you shouldn't see. And in our darkness, our minds can make up stuff, and shadows become monsters of flesh and blood, and we can hear things and feel things, and we can become disoriented and confused in that darkness. Why? Because we're not trusting in God. It's easier to trust in God. and It takes more energy to trust in myself. And it is this type of darkness that God calls us to take Him by the hand and trust Him. And thus, we find another scripture in Proverbs that, that talks about this idea that when it says this, it says, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and are saved or safe. And so do you trust God this way? He wants you to trust. Jesus wants you to follow his wisdom. How do we do that? I want to close with this scripture here because it's so powerful. But again, this is the same chapter, and this is what I mean by there's some messianic overtones in these verses I'm going to read. And at the end of each verse, I, I inserted a word just to sum up that scripture. And these each each of these words, there's four of them, or five of them rather, that show, uh, they show what, what Jesus does in the dark when you trust in him. And here's the scripture here. Isaiah 54 and 7. The Lord has given me, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. And, Next to that, I put in parentheses, this is my emphasis, nurturing, right? He nurtures you in the dark. He, he wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen, like one being instructed. And again, I add there, as a, just to sum up that scripture, discerning, discernment. In other words, he, he gives you light in the darkness. He gives you perspective in the darkness. Then he says, the sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. And this is called submission in the dark. He teaches, his, he teaches his people how to submit to the Father in the dark, meaning, I don't know what's happening, I don't get it, I'm even angry at God, I'm frustrated, but I'm going to trust him anyway. That's surrender, or submission, rather. And the next one is summed, summed up as surrender when it says, I offered my back to those who, who beat me, my cheeks to those who put, pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. And again, this is, this is stuff that happened during his crucifixion, right? So this is messianic for sure. And then the last one is perseverance in the dark. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like a flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. What a beautiful, beautiful scripture when you, when you look at it God's way, right? And so darkness is an ugly reality as we close this up today. But within that reality is the opportunity to trust God. Hence, here's one more scripture I want to leave with you. And I like doing a lot of scriptures because I believe that you have to get the word into us. But the scripture says this, and these are the words of Jesus. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And notice that Jesus talks about light. So when you're walking in darkness, look to him and he will be your light. So till next time, so glad to be with you. And check out our podcast on our YouTube channel, Soul02, and also uh, soul02.com, 
which is a website that has articles and audios as well as videos on there. And recommend it to a friend and subscribe and get the word out. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, God bless you.